Well, as you've heard in the announcements this morning, tonight is our annual business meeting. Lots of preparations have been made to bring before this body the state of the church and to give you a good picture of just where we stand as of today. So tonight, and I, you really want to be there. We want you to be there, but you want to be there. You may not know it yet, but you want to be there. Tonight at 6, you're going to receive a sufficient micro view of many aspects of the ministries of Bethesda. But as the pastor, it is my, uh, uh, my focus to present more of the macro view. So therefore, uh, it has influenced, as we've been thinking in that way, it has influenced my thoughts to you for this morning. Um, and I, we've been going, and it, it sent my thoughts in a certain direction. Where are we going? What is our purpose, both for today and for the future? We're going to talk about that in more depth tonight. What do we sense the Lord is saying to us as a fellowship, and how is that guiding our activity and our function and that which we are doing? I do want you to know that when we give you the reviews tonight, as diligent as the efforts have been, and they have been greatly diligent to prepare for you all that's taking place on this campus and what has taken place in the, in the last year. Honestly, I've seen uh, the preparations that have been made masterfully, uh, but it's only scratching the surface of what happens in this place. This facility is used seven days a week, and something is taking place most all the time. Usually several things are happening all at one time. And while we as a staff can easily get entrenched, just talking to you personally this morning and as your pastor, while we can easily get entrenched in the minutia of the moment, the, the next activity, the, the next event, the next, the next deadline, we are constantly reminding ourselves of the need to avoid becoming myopic or just too focused on one thing and, and never forget to stop and take another look at the grander, the bigger picture of what we do and why we do it. Over his eight years on staff here, Pastor Brent has kept a record of many of the guiding philosophies that, and principles that we have just woven into the fabric of, of our leadership. We didn't set out to do that. They just sort of happened. And he keeps in a, in a document that he calls Bethesda Culture, and he adds it, uh, a new one to it every time he discovers one. There's currently about a couple of dozen of them, I think, that are on there. And one of them uh, fits exactly what I'm trying to say to you right now. What we call the two-eyed understanding, the two-eyed understanding. And it's just, um, it's an idea that hit me one day as I, as I was actually driving here from some other location because I had found myself very entrenched in the, the, the moment in, in, in to some small details. I can tend to go there very easily. Um, and we must keep an eye, a very keen eye, on the details of the day and the circumstances of the moment and the minutiae, if you will. Which means we know and understand uh, one of our guiding philosophies that excellence is in the details. You've heard that before. And what we do with details is critical to the success of any event or ministry. And I am so thankful that we have a staff here who know and respect that and honor that, and they serve with excellence in all they do. Can you say amen to that? As, as church leaders, <clears throat> we must certainly value the importance of the details. Never think of them as small or insignificant, for that is the view of one eye. However, it's very easy, and I have to intentionally do this, given my proclivities and the way that I'm kind of wired. I have to deliberately remove my eye from the details, which is hard for me to do, and take a step back and to look at the 
big picture? And how are all these things that we're doing here affecting the larger picture of where we are? Just as God gave us two eyes, we must have an eye devoted to the big picture as well as the details. Because these eyes work in tandem to produce a better end result. So in the meeting tonight, we hope to give you a glimpse from both perspectives. There is so much ministry that is going on from this place that it's honestly a challenge to keep track of it all. I, I get a little embarrassed when people come and say, now you know about so-and-so, and I'll go, sometimes I go, oh, good, because I didn't know about it necessarily. I know a lot of things are going, but maybe not all of it. But there's one reason why God has blessed us, and one reason why, uh, why the favor of the Lord rests upon us, and I am so cognizant of it, it is, it is this. It's because this fellowship is full of solid, dedicated believers who have their feet on the ground and their heart toward the Lord. We are a people with a passion for the work of the kingdom. People who are listening to the voice of the Lord as we present ourselves to Him with a solid, resounding, here am I, send me. One of the phrases that has um, permeated our thinking in this past year which has been a year of transition for us indeed. One of the phrases that's, that has kind of come to the forefront for this, this year is this, and that is, we thank God for our strong past, even as we are trusting Him for a bright future. How many of you are looking for a bright future? In just about a month from today, and it was, was mentioned, uh, our new head of school, Dr. Jason Myers, and his family will take up residence here in Fort Worth. And in case you didn't kind of get the way that was communicated, their electricity system is completely different than what we have here. So they can't bring a lamp, a television, an alarm clock, anything that you would plug in a toaster. They can't bring any of those things that none of them would work here. So when you're moving from the other side of the planet, it's, uh, it's not like moving from here to Waco, okay? It's a, it's a different situation. That's why we want to bless them and make their, uh, them getting established here easier. They're going to begin their season of leadership with us, which we trust will be long and fruitful. In just his introductory time with us, Dr. Myers has presented several challenges to us already to the way that we have done things in the past, and he has opened our eyes to other possibilities that point toward our bright future. And I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me. He's pointed out things like unifying the whole of our campus in heart and mind and purpose and process. From the youngest infant in our child development center all the way through to our graduating seniors at Bethesda Christian School and even beyond. He's already presented ways and means in which that could happen and opened our eyes to things that we had not seen before, possibilities for it to, ha for it to take place, and it's thrilling to our hearts. Another idea that he presented initially to our search committee and then to the parents of our students is this. While we want to be excellent in our diligence with regard to college prep for our students, we should be even more diligent with our regard for their calling prep. I thought that would get a bigger amen than two. And here's what you see when you examine that. You see this, that if we look only at preparing them for college, we're being short-sighted. We should be helping to facilitate their preparation for the calling of God on their life. That's far, a far grander picture. And that calling of God on their life will go long past their years in college. So in these days leading up to our State of the Church meeting tonight, this pastor rejoices in our strong past, but without a doubt, my eyes are on the future of what God has for Bethesda. Every time we sing, and it's often because I ask for it often, 
Every time we sing, there's an army rising up. Every time I get a chance to review what is taking place in Bethesda School of Ministry, which is fairly often, Dr. Marty sends me regular reports, and I'm with them and talk with them, and I see the amazing things happening with those students. Every time I see what's happening in our, in our child development center, every time I uh, walk through the school, uh, Bethesda Christian School, every testimony that comes to me from our work with young ladies and embrace grace and embrace life and, and in flourish, Every report I get from those of our fellowship who are involved in prison ministry, yes, we have that. Everything I hear about the work of Bethesda Cares, which is our compassion ministries, and what so many of you are doing for the students of David E. Smith, about five minutes from us here, a public school, and those of our community who are disenfranchised, and how you reach and reach and reach to them. Every time I see the development of the life of Christ in our language services, and I watch those of you who've been intentional in your ministry to many in those services, and I thank you for that. Every time I see so many young people going on missions trips with Light of Life International, door-to-door witnessing, handing out food and toys and speaking for Jesus and working in the altar time in the crusades. It all reminds me that God is raising up a new generation of incredibly strong believers who are not satisfied with just warming a pew on Sunday morning. They are not satisfied with what I call Christian culturalism which is being a Christian in name only or possibly giving assent to certain Christian practices. For the people that I'm speaking of know that faith without works is and that we must be about our Father's business. It is our purpose in life. It is our calling, church, and it is our destiny. I believe with all of my heart as I look across Uh, the the landscape of Bethesda and the things that I just mentioned. I could mention another 30 of them. As I look across that, I believe with all my heart that God is is filling a new generation with the power of His Spirit, for I see He is raising up an army. Now, please don't assume that I'm speaking just to younger people this morning, for if you have air in your lungs, if you have a heart beating in your chest, then you are part of this generation. Amen? Turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. That was kind of a big setup for where I want to go this morning. Luke, chapter 4, and we're going to head toward verse 16, where we learn that Jesus explains why. He explains why, why the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. To this generation, to the today church of Bethesda, complete with our faults, our shortcomings, our our human weaknesses, our inadequacies, our imperfections, I would say this, God has a calling and a purpose for us which is only possible for us as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is true for us corporately as a fellowship, and it is true for each of us individually. Luke chapter 6, I'm starting with verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, you know this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, 
to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The primary reference here was to the year of Jubilee, which was when land that had been mortgaged was returned to its owner. It's when debts were forgiven and Israelite slaves were released. What he's saying here, this is Jesus saying that it's possible for human beings to experience a new day. It is possible for us to have an absolute new beginning, something different than you have known before. That's what he's saying, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Verse 20, and then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Bethesda, I want to declare it as loudly and as confidently as I can. There is an army rising up. I said there is an army rising up. I hope to in the next few minutes, and I'm going to try to be quick this morning. Quick is a very relative term. Arouse your awareness that there is an army rising up. There is a generation being raised who understand that as they walk in the Holy Spirit, there is a why to their life. In this day and time and in this season of, of, of our lifespan, when most young people are even questioning, is there a why? What's the purpose? When you walk in the Holy Spirit, there is a why to your life. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me for restoration when you are broken, release when you are bound, recovery of sight when you are blind, redemption when you need a new beginning. How many are ready for it? Let's say those together. There, he has anointed me for what? Restoration, release when you are bound, recovery, let me break this apart. There are many epidemics facing people in our world today. But the greatest epidemic we are facing in our society is the epidemic of a broken heart. We have the brightest, the richest, and the most talented all around us who remind us that wealth will not heal the heart. Fame will not heal the heart. Education will not heal the heart. But healing of the heart only takes place when a person is in relationship with, is in communion with God who says, this is why I am anointed. I am anointed to heal your broken heart. When Michael Jackson died, there were many documentaries about his life that were shown and many hours of interviews with him. And in one such interview, he said, he said this. He said, if you want to know me, if you want to know what I'm about, if you want to know what's going on in me, then he expressed it in a song that he wrote, which was not really one of his greatest or biggest hits, but the song said this, have you seen my childhood? I'm searching for the world that I come from, because I've been looking around in the lost and found of my heart. No one understands me. People say I'm not okay because I love such elementary things. It's been my fate to compensate for the childhood that I've never known. Before you judge me, try hard to love me, the painful youth that I have. Have you seen my childhood? Church, outside of the capacity that God gives us, there is a woundedness in us which we see revealed in the song that we can never, ever heal ourselves. You can throw millions of dollars at it. You can throw 
education at it. You can throw any form of earthly success at it. You can throw awards at it. You can throw trophies at it. But only God can bring the true healing that is needed in our hearts. Michael Jackson also wrote, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel real good. Going to make a difference. Going to make it right. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. A willow deeply scarred. Somebody's broken heart in a washed out dream. They follow the pattern of the wind, you see, because they got no place to be. That's why I'm starting with me. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Well, you can try to heal yourself. You can try to shake it off. You can try every self-help thing that's available, but God says you can't do it alone. You can't do it yourself. But he says every day, and this is the promise of God to us, every day you can come to me. And when you come to him, in my presence there is healing, he says, and there is restoration. And he says, that's why I'm here, for I have been anointed to heal broken hearts. And the paradox that I've seen, and I know that you've seen, time and time again, is this. God is taking people who he has pulled out of the most painful, hurtful, difficult, challenging situations and using them in a way that is beyond their imagination to bring healing to others. And our reality is this. You and I are surrounded by people who have grown up in a Christianity that is full of cliches and and, and surrounded by people who have grown up in a Christianity that is full of trite sayings and and exterior uh, superficiality. And there is no shortage of people and in the church full of empty platitudes who would simply say, well, just keep your head up, praise God, hallelujah, just, just keep going. But sometimes in life, our heads are down. Sometimes in life, the curtains are drawn shut. Sometimes in life, there is pain and hurt and betrayal. But Jesus says, that's why I've come. I've come that my spirit might fill you and heal your broken heart. Who's thankful for that today? One of my personal favorite verses is found in Deuteronomy chapter 33. It's verse 26. And 27. It says, There is no one like the God of Jeshurun. Literally, that word means the upright one, the, the God of Israel. There's no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and in his excellency on the clouds. Can you get a picture of that with me this morning? I, I mean, I, I'm almost ashamed to tell you how I almost see that, like God on a Harley riding the heavens. But he's riding the heavens and riding the clouds to get to you, to heal your broken heart this morning. Verse 27 says, the eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the what? Everlasting arms. Dear one today, when you are at your lowest, when you are looking down and your face is down and you can't even find a way to look up, don't fail while your head is down to look and see that underneath you, God, in his sovereignty, in his power, in his strength, in his comfort, in his wisdom, he's picking you up with his everlasting arms. And quite often, he's doing that by using imperfect, flawed people in your life who don't have it all together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal 
the brokenhearted, he said, and to proclaim liberty to the captives. There was an anecdote in Time Magazine some time back. Jenny was 23 years old. She was depressed. She was being treated by medication. She had experienced a series of very negative things happening to her. She went on a cruise trying to help lift her spirits, but the problem is when she got on the cruise, she kept drinking and drinking and drinking, and she was drunk most of the time. One night, she became so desperate in her depression that she jumped overboard off the cruise ship with the intention, the full intention of killing herself. Well, immediately all the sirens and lights go off and crew members begin yelling, woman overboard, and pandemonium breaks out as everyone rushes to that spot to see exactly what's going to happen. Well, in the crowd of people that were watching was a 26-year-old man named Samuel or Sammy, and Sammy shocked everyone. He instinctively looked overboard, ripped off his shirt, and jumped in to save the lady. The only issue was this. When he came up from under the water, after he'd gone, uh, gone in, jumped in, he began screaming, help me, help me, I can't swim. He may have been brave, maybe not so smart, but he was brave, right? So what the article then says is that Jenny, the lady who originally had jumped in to kill herself, she sees Sammy just a little ways away, and, and, she, and she hears him screaming in the water, help me, help me, I can't swim. So she starts swimming toward him. And she picks him up, and she brings him back to the ship and saves his life. And the article finished by quoting the captain of the ship who said this, tonight it wasn't a man who saved her life, it was purpose that saved her life. Listen, church, listen to me. You may think you're drowning, but there's a revolution taking place on the earth that's happening with flawed, imperfect people who don't have it all together. And there's an army rising up of young men and women of saints and God, of saints of God who aren't perfect, who have stuff going on in their own lives, who don't have all their own questions answered, but the Spirit of God is setting them free, and in so doing, He's allowing them to bring freedom to other people. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim liberty to the captives. All who are thankful about it, put your hands together and bless the Lord. Not perfect people. Not perfect people. But people responding to the Spirit of God. We have somehow convinced ourselves we can't be used of God until we get it all together. Till everything is fine in our house until everything is fine in our life, until our finances are together, until all of our relationships are together, then God would use me because I'll feel like a hypocrite otherwise. Can I just bust that bubble for you today and tell you that's not how that works? That's not how it works. Starting with me. It's not how it works. God uses imperfect people just like you and just like me. People who will respond to the Spirit of God. Burundi is a very small neighboring country to Rwanda. The stories, you know, we have a Rwanda, uh, Kenya Rwanda is the language that they speak. We have a congregation uh, here now of Kenya Rwanda speaking people uh, in at Bethesda. We'll tell you more about that tonight. You'll even meet the pastor tonight. But uh, Burundi is a small country right next to Rwanda. The stories I've heard from some of our new congregation members from Rwanda who live through genocide are, are literally 
They're beyond belief. I even question how much of it I should tell you today, and I'm going to be appropriately guarded and filtered, but one tribe after another massacred. Pastor Bosco, who you'll meet tonight, and his cousin Prosper have sat in my office and I've, uh, in, are getting acquainted with them. And I, I heard story after story and they talked about what, what it was like. And, and, and I said, so tell me about your childhood. And so Bosco and Prosper, when one of them was 11 and the other one was 12, they witnessed the beheading of their parents. And they had to, they said, and they, this is them, tell, this, them in my office telling me this. They said, yeah, we, we saw our, they said, Pastor, it's hard to talk about. I said, well, then, then, then you don't have to, but then they wanted me to know. They said, we watched our parents being beheaded, and then we had to just run away from our, the little hut that we lived, with, barefooted with just what little we had on and run into the bush. And from that moment forward, we were on our own, 11 and 12 years old, watching that. Are you kidding me? Well, in the country of Burundi, there is a, a white monument on which is written these words, never again, we've got a picture of it, it's in French, but I, I double-checked it, never again is what is on this monument. Right next to this monument is something that is so horrific I can't even show it to you. It is a burnt gas station. It's, it's too graphic to show you. But on October 21st of 1993, an elementary school teacher brought all of her students into this place as she was instructed to do, a certain place, not this. The perpetrators asked the children, how many of you are from such and such a tribe? And innocent children raised their hand in response to the question, well, I'm from that tribe. And so the perpetrators then said, then come with us. And they loaded the children who had raised their hands in response to their question, loaded them on a bus, and they drove them to this gas station, this burnt gas station. And they soaked them all in gasoline and set them on fire. And they were all burned on that day. And the monument in French says, put that back up please for me. That monument says, never again is what it says. Never again. It is a demonstration of the worst of darkness and hatred and bitterness. But here's what I want you to hear. After all of this took place, the president of that little country of Burundi was asked this, what is the reason to hope for your country? Why would anyone hope for your country? And without hesitation, that president said, the reason to hope in Burundi is because of Christian young people who are becoming the model of forgiveness. Because of Christian young people who are becoming the model of justice. That's why we can, there's hope for Burundi. In that same country, a young pastor in his 20s with his wife, who was seven months pregnant, tells this story. When the massacre began, perpetrators would go from house to house and village to village. And they came to the house of this fine young couple, servants of God. But the demonic spirit was so strong upon them that with their, the perpetrators with their machetes, they came in they said, prepare to die, is what they said to them. And the pastor began, what he began to do is instinctively, he just began to pray for them. He fell to his knees and he prayed for them. Shut his eyes, oh God, help these men. And while he was on his knees with his eyes shut praying for them, they grabbed his wife, seven months pregnant, and they cut her open. And when they cut her open, that, that, you know what that young wife began to do? She said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
Forgive these men. You love these men, O God. Please forgive them. Do not hold this against them. And the husband and the wife began praying in the Spirit, and when they did, those men ran out of the house. Miraculously, just a few weeks later, the baby was born perfectly healthy. Yeah, come on. Church, there is an army rising up on the earth in the spirit of forgiveness who recognize that though they are not perfect, though they are not, uh, don't have it all together, they are confident of this, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring healing to the brokenhearted and to, pro to proclaim liberty to the captives. Restoration when you are broken, release when you are bound, recovery of sight when you are blind. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to open the eyes of the blind. There's a physical blindness, and Jesus healed many when he was walking on this earth. When John Newton wrote that song that you know, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He was not speaking of physical blindness. He was speaking of being blind to God's purposes. For you see, and you may or may not know this, he was a slave trader, and he was working on a ship. It was a ship that encountered a very violent storm, and he was convinced he was going to lose his life that night. He recognized when he was forced with his own to look at his own mortality and thinking he was probably going to die in this horrific storm, he recognized he was a wretch. That's what he called himself, a wretch like me. He was as low as a human being can be. But the gospel somehow came to him, and it reached him, and he says in his testimony there was a veil over his eyes. He was spiritually blind and could not see. There are people walking around in our world today. They look normal. They look like they've got everything going on, but they are completely spiritually blind. You know, the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, but as it is written, and we've always assumed this meant in heaven, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Verse 11 says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. There is an entire universe of things that we cannot see and cannot know unless we go daily to God and by his spirit he allows us to experience recovery for the blind so that we can see who we are. For to see what God has in store for you, to see your situation as he sees it, to see your home, to see your family, to see your hurts, your failures, all of that, as, and not, the, but not by limitation of human sight. There's a difference. I talked a moment, moment ago about the two-eyed vision that we have for the church that, that you'll hear more about tonight. There's a difference in what we see with our human eyes and what we see with our spiritual eyes. How many of you know I'm telling you the truth today? You can be a Christian for 30 or 40 years and never experience the supernatural sight to see what God has for you. But when you come face to face with God in his presence, by his spirit, he will allow you to see things that you will never see any other way. Church, there is an army rising up. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to ask you a question. When you look in the mirror at yourself, what do you see?
that poor, helpless kitty looks in the mirror and sees what? A lion. I am here this morning, church, to tell you that you may feel weak, you may feel helpless, you may feel inadequate and unqualified, you may see nothing but your faults and your failures and your inabilities as if they're sitting on the bridge of your nose and you can't get past them. However, I'm looking you straight in the eye and telling you, the lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you. I'm here to tell you that the spirit of the living God lives in you. And by the Spirit of God, you can see clearly. By the Spirit of God, you can heal every day that which is broken in you. By the Spirit of God, you can be released every day from that which has you bound. And the bonus, you can bring freedom to others. There is an army rising up of men and women who walk in the Spirit, who live in the Spirit, who move in the Spirit, who have their being in the Spirit, people who God is calling in post-genocide nations to bring healing. It can happen in the name of Jesus. People who God is calling right here in Fort Worth, Texas to demonstrate supernatural forgiveness. It can happen in the name of Jesus. God is raising up an army of young people to carry the banner of the Lord to their day and generation. And Bethesda, hear me clearly. We are called to train them, equip them, and send them out into their world. I want an amen from Marty. May the Spirit of God cause the scales to fall from our eyes this morning. I'm watching the time carefully. I'm going to ask that you will please stay in this room. There's been plenty of activity going on while I'm preaching. I don't want you to remain seated, please. <clears throat> because I'm going to give an altar call this morning. I say remain seated, I mean remain in the room. I felt so prompt of the Lord yesterday afternoon as I was <clears throat> looking at all this again. And I don't know that I've ever done this like this. I want everyone, I'm going to start here. I want everyone who's 30 years of age and under to get up from where you are and come down here. We're going to pray for you. Do it right now. Balcony, start with you. 30 years of age or under. We'll be checking your driver's license when you come. There's a few of you I'm going to send back because I know you're not telling the truth. Come on up. Waiting for those from the balcony. Come on up closer. Bethesda, there's an army rising up. I said there's an army rising up. How many would, would have preferred that I said 40 and under? Would you prefer that? There's an army rising up. Mackenzie, there's an army rising up, sweetheart. Where's Andre? Where? What are you doing over there? You're always over here. Andre, there's an army rising up, and you're part of that army.
I want the congregation to stand and I want you to stretch your hand toward these people. If any of you would like to come and just lay hands on them, they're in a nice straight line here. I welcome you to do that. Don't sit back. Let them feel supported by you today. Those of you who are here at the front, I'm going to ask you this. How many of you need, yeah, I want you to raise your hand. I want you to just listen to me. Don't respond. How many of you need the Spirit of God to heal you of your woundedness? Those of you who are coming to pray, just put your hands on them and let the Spirit of God move through you. Let the Spirit of God give you direction on even how to pray. The Word tells us when we know not how to pray, the Spirit will make intercession for us with groanings that we don't even understand. So just begin to pray in the Spirit. Use your heavenly language. Pray as God would lead you. Some of these young people today, they are the future of Bethesda. They need to be healed of their woundedness. And Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many of you want to recognize that the Spirit of God is upon you to heal your broken heart? I'm looking in the faces of young people that I know because they've talked to me that their hearts have been broken. All kinds of situations. Been broken by dysfunctional families, by their own failures, by circumstances where they were horribly taken advantage of. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to, to bring healing to broken hearts, Jesus said. And again, don't respond to this, but how many of you feel like you've been, you've seen yourself as unqualified, incapable, not good enough? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand. Not up to the task. Don't have the strength. Don't have all that it takes. That's me. So I want you to know you're not alone in that. Maybe you have felt captive. Maybe you are a young person here that you have felt bound by something. Some of you maybe have felt bound by an evil spirit. Some of you have been bound to all kinds of addictions. All kinds of things that you know you need to be broken free from. I want you to know the Spirit of the Lord says He has come to set the captive free. You're not the first and you won't be the last. But He's come to set the captive free. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you for the recovery of sight to the blind. The blind starting with you, areas of your own life where you've been spiritually blind. The veil or the scales have been on your eyes. But there's a purpose for that. There's a why for that. Because then you can spread that to others. Well, as of this morning, you're going to see yourself as God sees you, full of faith, equipped, capable, and strong in Him. I want everyone to lift your hands, everyone. We recognize your words, Lord Jesus, that there is a why, there's a purpose to why you were anointed, even as we've tried to unpack that today, to heal broken hearts. You are riding on the clouds of heaven to get to us to heal our broken hearts today. You are hurrying to get to us as our hearts are reaching out to you. It is your desire to heal broken hearts today and to set free those who are captive. Whatever the enemy has played upon them, whatever he has done to them, we ask for it to be broken in the name of Jesus. Let victory and healing and deliverance come. We declare it. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And we say from this moment forward, 
this date on the last Sunday of April, 2019, the Lord has done great things in me. Whereof I am glad. I am not going to walk in darkness. I'm not going to walk in defeat. I'm not going to walk in depression and anxiety. And I'm not going to walk in all the stuff that tries to get me down and to keep my face down because I belong to Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon him for a healing for my life. And I declare that in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Come on, church. Lift your hallelujah to the Lord. Lift your hallelujah. Bless your name.